Coming up on this edition of Jerusalem Dateline, waves of terror rock the peace of Jerusalem. How incitement to violence begins in the classroom with the youngest of students. Plus, the ever-increasing high stakes of Iran's nuclear program and Benjamin Netanyahu's efforts to shore up Israel's judicial system and the contentious turf war over one of the world's most critical industries. All this and more on this edition of Jerusalem Dateline. Hello and welcome to Jerusalem Dateline. I'm Chris Mitchell. We start off today's show with the worst weekend of terror attacks in Israel in a decade. A brutal assault on a synagogue in Jerusalem left seven people dead on Friday as they celebrated Shabbat and commemorated the International Holocaust Remembrance Day. And on Saturday, a second attack. A 13-year-old Palestinian boy shot and wounded a Jewish father and son. These attacks occurred just before U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken arrived in Israel this week. He's there to meet, he's here to meet with both Israel and Palestinian leaders. Our CBN News White House correspondent Abigail Robertson brings us the latest from his meeting with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Tensions flaring in the Middle East, Secretary of State Antony Blinken is urging Israel and the Palestinians to exercise restraint and ease tensions following a surge in violence that has the region on edge. The responsibility of everyone to take steps to calm tensions rather than inflame them. Despite the attacks, Blinken's meetings with Israeli leaders, including Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu, seem to stay on track, discussing U.S. hopes of a two-state solution for Israel. As we advance Israel's integration, we can do so in ways that improve the daily lives of Palestinians in the West Bank and Gaza. And that's crucial to moving toward our enduring goal of Palestinians and Israelis enjoying equal measures of freedom, security, opportunity, justice, and dignity. And standing united against a nuclear Iran. Our policy and my policy is to do everything within Israel's power to prevent Iran from acquiring nuclear weapons and the means to deliver them. Friday's attack in Israel killed seven and wounded three others. The victims' ages ranged from 14 to 68 and included a couple who died trying to help those shot. Very difficult for us. I talked with uh, some friends here. They say it was very, very heavy. They hear the shot. One of them want to go down to see what happened and lost his life. Palestinians celebrated the terror attack in Janine, Nablus, Gaza and eastern Jerusalem with fireworks and candy. On Saturday in the city of David, a 13-year-old Palestinian boy opened fire on a Jewish father and son. The attacker was shot and wounded when the family returned fire. The Israeli police will demolish the shooter's family homes in punishment, and Netanyahu announced new security measures, including revoking Israeli identity cards and residency of families of terrorists and expanding and expediting weapons permits to thousands of Israeli civilians. Reporting from Washington, Abigail Robertson, CBN News. Secretary Blinken met with Israeli opposition leader Yair Lapid on Tuesday before traveling to Ramallah to speak with Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas and other Palestinian leaders. I recently spoke with Itamar Marcus, founder and director of Palestinian Media Watch. 
He examines how terrorists target young children and encourage them to carry out their own attacks against innocent Israelis. Itamar Marcus, director of Palestinian Media Watch, thanks for joining us. The other day, a 13-year-old Palestinian boy conducted a terror attack at the city of David. What was your reaction to that? Palestinian Media Watch has been warning uh, the Israeli government, warning the international community for years about the education of Palestinian children. Children are literally being convinced that it's their obligation to go out and kill Israelis, that it's their obligation to kill themselves while killing Israelis, to become holy martyrs, uh, shahids. In fact, in this case, I think the child thought he might not survive, and, and then he would become an admired child shahid, as so many other children in this past year have gone on attacks, and they have become Palestinian heroes because they were child martyrs. It's all coming because of the brainwashing of the Palestinian Authority. Yeah, the video was stunning uh, to see that uh, terror attack in action. You wrote a book uh, recently called Teaching Terror to Tots. What did you find out in this, uh, in the research for this book? We found that uh, Fatah, which is the party, of course, of Mahmoud Abbas, who runs the Palestinian Authority, Fatah is brainwashing children to have a deep hatred toward Israel, to deep hatred toward Jews of Israel. Um, they teach them that Israel, Jews have no history in the land. We're foreign colonial implant. We have no right to exist. And because of that, they teach the children that they have the right under international law, they have the right to use armed conflict to literally to destroy the state of Israel, to replace it with Palestine. So children are brought up believing that they have the right to attack and to kill Israelis. One of the reactions from a, a Fatah official affiliated with the Palestinian Authority praised these terror attacks, not only the 13-year-old boy, but the gruesome murder of seven Israelis there in Neve Yaakov. Your reaction to that kind of a statement? It's all part of the same ideology, which, which they, they say, because Israel has no right to exist, they have a right to kill every Israeli man, woman, and child. Uh, in, in our report, uh, Teaching Terror to Tots, for example, one of the terrorists who is glorified as the ideal heroic prisoner is a terrorist who drove his car, ran over an Israeli woman, a 25-year-old Israeli woman, uh, and then while she was lying on the ground, he got out and he stabbed her to death because he hadn't killed her with the car. He is described as a superhero for these children. So we're not surprised that Fatah is glorifying. They literally have convinced themselves that they have the right to kill every single Israeli in the name of liberation of Palestine. What is the solution for this? Uh, what can change this situation? The Israel can't change the situation. The international community has to use the leverage that it has. The United States is giving hundreds of million dollars a year now to the Palestinian Authority, to UNRWA, and to various projects. The Europeans are giving hundreds of millions of euro. They could make a difference. And the fact that they don't insist and they don't condition their funding makes the Americans and makes the Europeans literally responsible partners in this terror uh, partner in this indoctrination. They could stop it, but they don't. It's Amar Marcus. Thanks for joining us on Jerusalem Dateline. Well, the shadow war between Israel and Iran is making international headlines. The New York Times reports that Israel carried out a drone attack on an Iranian facility in the central city of Isfahan over the weekend. The city is a major missile production center, and it's unclear how much damage was caused by the attack. This cowardly attack was carried out against us. Our security bodies are powerfully acting to ensure maximum national security, and such moves can't impact our nuclear scientists' will and intentions to achieve peaceful nuclear energy. 
It came after the U.N. warned that Iran now has enough enriched uranium to build several nuclear weapons. While this doesn't mean Iran has successfully developed a nuclear bomb, it's closer than ever before Israel. And before Israel has been blamed for carrying out covert operations against Iran's nuclear scientists and facilities. However, Israel has never claimed responsibility. Coming up, plans for a major overhaul of Israel's judicial system trigger civil unrest. What one analyst says about how the reforms could change the Jewish state. Now, for a limited time, you can get five of CBN's critically acclaimed documentaries. Experience the rebirth of the modern state of Israel. A historic bond between the Jewish people and the land of Israel cannot be broken. Relive the battle for Jerusalem in the Six-Day War. Jerusalem is yours forever. Discover how Israeli volunteers are changing the world. When people need us, we volunteer and we come and help. Explore the world of Israeli technological innovation. We're people of dreams. God gives us dreams. And that's really the roots, I think, of, of much of our innovation. And understand the biggest land dispute in history. Many Palestinian Arabs claim that the Jews stole Arab land. But is that the real story? This exclusive Israel DVD collection can be yours for a gift of $29.99 or more. Call now or go online to get your Israel DVD bundle, which includes streaming access. Download the CBN News app, 24-7 News, from a Christian perspective at home or on the road. One place for all of your news. Breaking news alerts. Set daily prayer goals and pray for news stories. Read the most important news and watch CBN News Channel Live. CBN News, because truth matters. Go to CBNNewsApp.com to get the app today. Experience God on a new level. Empowering the believer is what this podcast is really all about. Discover insights into scriptures. Be encouraged by inspired teaching. Everyone listening. Everyone. You can be a chosen vessel. The Lesson with Gordon and Ashley. What did Jesus get? Everything that the Father has. Yes. Learn more about what God has for you. The Lesson on CBNFamily.com and YouTube. Benjamin Netanyahu's proposed judicial reforms have triggered protests nationwide. Critics say the proposals, which seek to limit the powers of the court, will undermine democracy. Supporters say reform is needed to combat rampant overreach by the courts. I spoke with author Rabbi Tuli Wise about his take on the proposed reforms. Rabbi Tuli Wise, uh, founder of Israel 365, great to be with you here in Jerusalem, Bateline. Thanks for having me, Chris. There's a really de huge debate here in Israel right now on judicial reform. Tell us what's happening. So recently, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu was re-elected with a right-wing and religious support and put together a very conservative government that ran on the platform of judicial reform. Because here you have a very unusual system. You have an unelected judiciary and you don't have a constitution. And so you have these judges who are interpreting 
the law based on how they feel and if it's reasonable or not reasonable. And uh, there's a big disconnect between the very liberal judiciary and the more conservative Israeli population that wants judicial reform. You wrote an article, uh, Why Christians Should Care About the Judicial Reform Going On in Israel. What are your main points of that article? So not only are, is judicial reform more democratic, making Israel more democratic and more like America, but it's also based on sound biblical principles of checks and balances. In the times of the Bible, there was a king, there was a priest, and there was a prophet. And the job of the prophet was to kind of rein in sometimes the king and the priest if necessary. There's also, as uh, most Christians and Americans certainly, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So everything that happens here is so important when there's peace and harmony in Jerusalem, then the whole world benefits from it. And when there's discord and divisiveness in, in Jerusalem, then the whole world's going to suffer. And finally, it says in the Bible that Jerusalem will be redeemed with justice. We need to get it right here. We need to have a great judiciary in order for us to bring about the redemption that both Jews and Christians are looking for. Mm -hmm. And how do you see this progressing now? We're, we're at a, <clears throat> a lot of debate going on right now and people are sort of at loggerheads, but where do you see this going on? It will settle down. It will certainly settle down. Prime Minister Netanyahu is a strong prime minister and uh, as soon as the media hysterics kind of moves on to talk about something else, I think that it will settle down and the Knesset will be able to finally get to work and they'll be able to pass through the judicial reform here in Israel. And finally, how can Christians be praying about the situation? They need to learn more, stay educated, stay on top of the news that are hap that's happening here in Israel. We're also putting together a petition to encourage Prime Minister Netanyahu through our website, Israel365.com. We're looking to get a million people to show encouragement to Prime Minister Netanyahu to stay the course in terms of democracy and the eternal biblical values. That's in opposition to the 100,000 people. You, you want a million people uh, petition. Exactly. Yeah. Rabbi Tuli, why is great to be with you here in Jerusalem Dateline. Thanks for having me. Up next, a tiny piece of technology in your home right now could bring the world's most powerful nations to the brink of war. Names from the Old Testament are being unearthed all over the city of Jerusalem. This was amazing. Come as close as you can get to personalities that are known from the Bible. Astonishing discoveries made today. A jaw-dropping moment of Bible archaeology. This is much more than a thrill. This is actual history that took place here on the site where we sit right now. Confirm the kings and prophets of the Bible left real evidence of their lives. Right time, the right place, with the right people. And one of the most significant finds in recent history. Exactly as the Bible tells us happened in the days of King Hezekiah. Written in stone, kings and prophets. We have the Bible and we have archaeologists. Here in our story, it's matching. The Old Testament is a reliable history book. Get your copy today for a gift of any dollar amount. Call now or go to cbn.com slash written in stone. Here, we're committed to a heritage of rigorous scholarship dating back over a thousand years and to a faith tradition dating back a thousand more. This is how we create a culture of inquiry where no topic is off limits. And a culture of hope. Anything's possible! It's Christian leadership. And it's changing the world for the better. It's higher learning. It's greater knowing. It's what makes us whole. It's what makes us regent. 
The Bible tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. In CBN's free guide, 10 Ways You Can Pray for Israel, you'll learn spiritual lessons from Israel's patriarchs, prophets, and beloved New Testament leaders, while also discovering how you can pray for Israel today. Get your free copy. Call 1-800-700-7000 or go to cbn.com slash pray for Israel. Countries could rise or fall on a piece of technology that fits on the tip of your finger. Semiconductors are critical for everything from weapon systems to microwaves. Currently, the world's biggest manufacturer of these chips is Taiwan, a country which is friendly to the West, although China appears to be set on dominating the market and taking over global production. As Brody Carter reports, that could mean a chip war in the making. The key to dominating international technology and computing power rests in semiconductor chips, basically the brains of modern electronics. And you might be surprised the United States isn't the world leader in this multi-billion dollar industry. It's not even second. The U.S. government's goal is simply to stay ahead of China. When we look at the world's most advanced chips, Taiwan makes 92% of them. Matter of fact, one company in Taiwan makes 92%. The small island of Taiwan clearly dominates the world's semiconductor market. That single manufacturer Cheng refers to is TSMC, Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company, and Apple is its biggest customer. So if it were knocked offline, we'd face a huge economic crisis because of our inability to get the chips we need. Tufts University professor Chris Miller is the author of Chip War, the fight for the world's most critical technology. He says the Taiwanese company's dominance in semiconductors makes OPEC's 40% share of world oil production pale by comparison. Today, China spends as much money importing semiconductors as it spends importing oil. And it buys those ships uh, in large part from U.S. firms that make a great business selling to China. The chip industry is made possible by a symbiotic relationship among key countries that forms a very complex supply chain. America, the world's largest market, also makes up 40% of the total value of this international supply machine. Today, if you want to make an advanced chip, the most cutting-edge chips that you find in a smartphone or data center, it's simply impossible to do without using software from the U.S., machine tools from the Netherlands, the U.S., and Japan, ultra-purified chemicals from Japan, as well as manufacturing capabilities in Taiwan. It's an international process. Just three years ago, China's tech giant Huawei was TSMC's number two customer. Then the Trump administration tightened restrictions, preventing Huawei from getting chips developed by the U.S. due to espionage and national security concerns. Huawei is something that's very dangerous. You look at what they've done from a security standpoint, from a military standpoint, it's very dangerous. If Taiwan were taken over, or even if Taiwan wasn't taken over, but there was a war in the Taiwan Straits that Taiwan repelled, even still the shock to semiconductor supply chains would cause a deep depression in manufacturing industries worldwide. And the reason is that today all types of goods require semiconductors. It's not just smartphones or PCs, sort of high-tech goods that you might think of. It's your car, which might have hundreds of semiconductors inside, your coffee maker, your microwave, almost anything with an on-off switch today has semiconductors inside of it. More importantly, Miller told CBN News microchips has revolutionized American warfare. Semiconductors made in Taiwan are used in F-35 fighter jets and a wide range of U.S. military-grade weapons and defense systems.
Since the world's entire tech ecosystem can't function without these chips, that makes the sovereign island ground zero for a chip war between the U.S. and China. That means that the world's made-to-order chips are made on China's doorstep. Both South Korea and Taiwan are vulnerable, and it is not inconceivable that China could take over both of them. That's what makes the communist government's Made in China 2025 plan to make the country dominant in global high-tech manufacturing a true threat to the U.S., both economically and militarily. As China's become stronger, it's become more belligerent, more provocative, more aggressive. This is perhaps the greatest mistake America has made throughout its history. And it's a mistake that we may not survive. It's one reason the U.S. followed suit with the CHIPS Act, pouring out billions to bring chip manufacturing and research back to the U.S. If you want to build a cutting-edge chip-making facility, it'll cost 20 or $25 billion for just one plant. These are the most expensive factories in human history. TSMC has committed at least $12 billion to build a chip fabrication plant in Arizona starting in 2024. Still, neither China nor the U.S. can overtake Taiwan and achieve self-sufficiency anytime soon. We should care about where they're made because we need them to drive our economy. And it is the case increasingly that things that are further away, things that are at the hands of geopolitical adversaries, may not be attainable at all times. And that provides you know, a concern, a vulnerability for us. It also provides an ad our adversaries a strength that they can use. While Taiwan has maintained its sovereignty for more than 70 years, China still considers the island nation its property and regularly provokes it militarily. Given China's authoritarian use of technology against its own people and the potential power of semiconductors, who controls the world's technology and data is paramount. This evolving technology makes semiconductors even more of a national security concern, especially with progress in artificial intelligence and quantum computing. The chip war is well underway, and exactly how hostile this war becomes remains to be seen. Brody Carter, CBN News. Still ahead, as violence between Jews and Arabs rises in the Holy Land, a luxury mall is bringing them together in a unique way. promises committed to loving and serving at-risk children, to helping keep families together, and to creating opportunities for strong and sustainable communities around the world. We're working in over 60 countries around the world, and with your help, we can do even more. There's an old African proverb I love that says, if you want to run fast, run alone. But if you want to run far, run together. At Orphan's Promise, we want to run far so we can touch the lives of as many orphaned and vulnerable children as possible. But we don't want to go alone. We're out to change the world, one child, one family, one community at a time. Will you join us? home to the sounds of Southern Gospel from CBN Radio. You'll enjoy a rich Southern blend of bluegrass, classic gospel, and Southern Gospel favorites like the Gaithers, the Crab Family, and bluegrass sounds like Mountain Faith. So make yourself at home with the all-new CBN Southern Gospel, now available at CBNRadio.com.
Introducing a brand new way to start your morning. Get your daily quick start from CBN News. A quick read on the important news of the day delivered right to your inbox. Stay current on breaking news, politics, and entertainment. Discover how God is moving around the world and here at home. Plus, get exclusive stories and daily scripture encouragement just for you. Stay informed. Go to quickstart.news and subscribe today. In the wake of stories about strife and terror, one can wonder if it's possible for Israeli Arabs and Jews to live together in peace. As CBN Middle East correspondent Julie Stahl shows us, there's one business venture involving Jewish and Arab merchants in what the world often calls the occupied territories. This luxurious European-style shopping center sits in the Judean desert, about 10 miles outside Jerusalem. Our dream is that when people buy apartment or build apartment or house, they will come for some place in this city and they will find all what they need for the house or for the apartment. 120 stores are already open here and 50 more are planning to do the same. With prices ranging from inexpensive to luxury, they say you can find anything you want for your home right here at D-City. Furniture, kitchen, tiles, all what people need for the house, they can find here. Panina Revach is CEO of the Design City or D-City Mall. Only when people come here, they really understand it's very special, very different. It's not only place to come to buy, it's really place that they can come, they can enjoy. Situated on the road to the Dead Sea, the mall offers restaurants, a hotel, and even a nearby theme park. I talk about tourists, and I'm sure that when we have some options like this, that we have very good restaurant and it's on the way for the Dead Sea, all of them will stop here, will come to enjoy in this place. D-City is built in what much of the world calls a settlement, although Israelis as well as Palestinians from the West Bank can set up shop here. I started to looking for a shop here, maybe to open something new, maybe to open something to go along with the theme. I decided to open a gadgety luxury gift shop that gives on answers to alternative of perfumes and t-shirts and standards regular gifts. Luai Gul, a Palestinian from Jerusalem, owns a gift shop in Ramallah and now is opening one at D-City. To be honest, in a daily life, we try not to go deep into politics. We just come here and do business together, live together, we share interests, we share businesses, we share life, basically. This is the 10th Nicoletti store in Israel. We opened before uh, two months here, and Nicoletti is a design furniture, luxury from Italy, fabric, leather, and we have table with uh, marabelle, hood, and all Italian style in here, in Israel, in this shop. Tom Ovadia, son of the owner, says while this isn't a typical location for a mall like this, there are advantages. Mishor Dumim is not the best location in Israel, but this is something different because the Palestinians and Jews together here, and we sell for a lot of Palestinians. They can come to here, they don't need nothing. They can come, buy, and go. This is the first project in Israel, like the design city. It's the first time I see something like that. Okay, and it's really special to come to work here. Zinehul manages this store. We don't feel any differences. Like we are one family here. Arabs, Jews, Muslims, Christians, we are all one. We live here, we live in Israel. We need to work together and we need to do the step 
for peace and love. I am Jew, she is uh, Arabic, Muslim, and everything is okay. So from designing and furnishing your home to tourist attraction to Israeli-Palestinian relations, the new Design City Mall is an experiment and an adventure that they hope will succeed. Julie Stahl, CBN News, D-City Mall, Mishor Adumim. With all the things going, that's a nice story to hear. Well, that's all for this edition of Jerusalem Dateline. Thanks for joining us. Remember, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And you can also access CBN content through our CBN News and other CBN apps. And don't forget to sign up for our email blast so you can continue to receive all of our exciting CBN content. I'm Chris Mitchell. We'll see you next time on Jerusalem Dateline.